The first one is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And it says, it's up there on the board if you want to read. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. How many languages were there? How many languages were there? Good. We're going to talk together. One of my expectations going into this, I love us talking together because I think it helps you engage better. Two, another thing I can ask of you, this is like a personal need of mine. You don't have to do this, but this is something I like. By the end, if you can come with a question, I love it because it makes me think that you're engaged with it. I love when people are saying, hey, that was great. But a question makes me know that you're going deeper. So those are my two expectations. Talk back with me and have a question. But now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower of the people and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse their language so they will be so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel, because that's because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. The other text that we have is Acts chapter uh, 1, verses 10 through 12. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 says, They were looking intently up in the sky. Where were they looking? In the sky as he, as he was going. And who is the he they're referring to? Jesus was going up in the sky, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has taken from you in heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. I'm also going to read verse 4. I forgot to get that one. And it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, how long? few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So God gave them a command. I posted the question again this week. And the question this week is, what is the benefit of seeking what you want? And this is in contrast versus what God wants. You know, I think we as Christians, the normal question, I, I asked one of my friends this question, and they looked at me like, you're wording it wrong, right? Like, shouldn't we be asking what's the benefit of seeking God's kingdom? And I was like, no. I want you to think about, we obviously don't always seek the kingdom of God. And why don't we? If we can be honest as Christians about why we don't, I think we can remedy it better. So God has definitely asked us to seek him, make him the priority. And we don't always do that, me included. So what, what are we seeking and what are the benefits of it? So let's start by asking, what are the things that sometimes we can seek instead of seeking the kingdom of God? Instead of seeking what God wants, what are the things we seek? Money. Money is a big one, especially in the society. Why do you think we seek money? Security. Money gives us a, a sense of, hey, if something comes up, I can handle it. Power. Another thing, we love power. Power is an important thing that I agree. So the real benefit is the power that comes from the money and the power to do what I want. Like if I have enough money, I can go fly wherever I want or I can buy this thing that I want because I have the power. 
True too. The more money you have, the more people listen to you. Even if you have nothing good to say, people will still listen to you. It's true. Yeah, money elevates a person's status big time. Okay, what are the other things that we seek? And what are the benefits of those things? Yeah, what do you mean by that? So relationships for those online. Right. Like a lot of times, it's not even bad things we're seeing. Like, I just want to go hang out with my friends. Why? Because it's comfortable to hang out with friends. It's easy to hang out with friends. Other things? Good jobs. Why do we seek those things? <laughs> I can take a vacation. Period. You're right. <laughs> True. We, we need a break sometimes. So we want the nicer things. We want to accumulate for ourselves. Any last things? I feel like sometimes we can watch shows. Why do we seek those things? It's, it's kind of an escape. The benefit of that is I want to escape my issues for a few seconds and I want maybe instant gratification. This was a common answer that people posted online. Instant gratification. Like what is, it's hard to seek God because you don't get what you want right away. You are getting what he wants you to have. And that may not be what you want. So I don't necessarily want that. A lot of wants happening right there. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we get into it? What are the benefits of seeking what you want? Ooh, true. Yeah, true. Control is hard. Especially like we have plans for our life. And God better work on our plan. Especially our parents have plans for us too. You know, like after you graduate, you need to get married by a certain age. You need to start having kids by a certain age. Become a doctor, yes. We all have plans. And if it doesn't work accordingly like the way we want, that can be frustrating for us. So these are some great answers. What, um, here are some other, some other ones that I think we were just kind of the secondary ones that came to mind. Um, it makes us feel good when we go after what we want. I think we're a generation that loves to feel good. It's really uncomfortable to go after those things. And it all kind of connects. Um, I'll say another one. It doesn't require much work to go after the things we want. If I go hang out with my friend, I don't have to do much, right? If I have to do what God needs, I might have to go out of my way. There's a lot of work required to serve God. And when you're tired after a day of work, it's just easier to relax. And so these are all understandable, but hopefully um, as we continue, it'll give us guidance about how we should be. So we're comparing two stories today. We're comparing the Tower of Babel to the Acts Church. So this is always a story like, you know, when you study the Bible, this is a very common text that's compared to each other. What's cool about it is in both of them, there's different languages happening. But they happen in different ways. In the Tower of Babel, God confuses them and there's a lot of languages happening. In Acts chapter 2, they wait on God and the Holy Spirit comes and they're all speaking different languages, but there's unity in it. Right? It's interesting, God's way versus our way. You know, and so what do we see the Tower of Babel? What are they seeking? Well, if you look at the text up there, it says, what do they want? They said, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So I'm going to just bring two points, two things that I see are the benefits of seeking what you want versus what, what uh, God wants. The first thing is the idea of progress versus the idea of no progress. You think about the, the Tower of Babel. They started making bricks, right? 
So like, well, you know, there was a team that's like, all right, we need you to make 100 bricks. And we can see 100 bricks being made. Can you agree with me? And then they're like, all right, this week we need to get two levels done. So we put one level and we put the next level. We see progress happening. So when we go with our ways, many times we like it because we like seeing progress happening. Right? When we go towards our way, it's like, I want to see growth. Now let's compare it to God's way. What did God tell them to do? To just sit and wait. So we see God's way is different than our way. Our way, we want to see progress. I want to see levels happening. When What does God tell you to do? Just sit. Right? Be still. Do nothing. Wait on me. You understand God's way is so different than our way. And why do we like progress? Yes, we feel like we've accomplished something. Like, I'll give you just a real example of this. Yesterday, I cut my bushes that needed to be cut for a long time. And it was really nice. I was, I, you know, doing physical labor, when you get the motivation to do it, it's so nice. <laughs> right? And so I cut them all. And I was so proud of it. Like, you can ask my wife. Like, I was like, do you look at this? I was like, Zion, look at, look at the bushes. <laughs> they look so good. And then Teslin came over. And I was like, Teslin, look at these. And, and we like it because it's like things are, it looks better. We want things to look better. I need the promotion. We like all of these things. I want to get stronger. I want more money in my bank account. We like the idea of progress. And progress is nice because we can flex with progress. Right? Imagine the alternate. If you're like, right, when we have progress, I can literally take a photo of me with the bushes saying like a before picture and then an after picture. <laughs> right? And I'm like, look, look at the progress I made. When I get a promotion, I can post it somewhere to say, I'm making progress. But now let's imagine the Instagram page for the, the Instagram page for the Axe Church. Right? You know, they waited there, they say seven to ten days. He said, wait there a few days. They didn't know what few days meant. So the first day you take a snap of like you reading the Bible. Then the next day you probably like, you know, different angle reading the Bible. <laughs> By the third day, you're like, okay, I don't have any new angles to take pictures. And people stop following, you have no progress. So I want to challenge you. The first thing that you need to recognize is that one of the reasons that it's hard for us to go after what God wants is that we want progress. And that's a natural thing. So how do we remedy that? Now that I know I want progress, how do I remedy that and say, God, you are my focus. You are what I want. I know these things are so nice, but you're better than those things. How do we remedy that? And the thing that came to me is this, how do you define success, right? Your definition of success determines what you do, what you seek. If you think success is acquiring and moving up, you are going to go after those things. You are going to want to feel like I'm moving forward. So you have to, for yourself in your quiet time, say, God, what does it really mean to succeed in this world? What does it mean, God? And this is my get to cut to the chase here is the final answer to it. I think the definition of success is when you can fully do what God needs you to do. That is what it means to succeed. If you are living in what God needs of you, you are succeeding in this world. But the hard part is no one may ever see that. Right? The Acts Church for those one, two, three, four, five, six days 
people look at them and say, why are you wasting your time? I want to challenge you. The input that you put inside of you also makes a difference how you define success. If you're literally scrolling on Instagram and you see, hey, they bought this new house. Oh, hey, they have the new Porsche. Oh, hey, like they got a new promotion. Guess what you start to do? Your definition of success goes into a worldly definition of success. You need to be very intentional about the input that you have. And that's why you spend time in the Word, because what happens when you spend time in the Word? You look at all of those people and say, these are the most successful in Christian life. And yet they didn't have anything of this world. You look in Hebrews and it's like, man, they were the lowest. They were killed for God. They had no money at the end of the day. But God was so pleased with them. You have to define success for yourself in alignment with God. Otherwise, you will always want those things and you will never do what God wants. So the first thing I want to challenge you is this. Recognize if you go after the world, you may see progress. But I want to ask you, is it really progress? Because to do what God needs is the truest progress. The second thing, and we've already kind of hit on this a little bit, is the idea of control versus no control. We've already talked about, a lot of people talked about this. I think we love control. Think about the Tower of Babel. It's like you can have an agenda, an itinerary, a plan. Hey, you guys take care of this. Hey, by week one, I need two layers done. By week four, I need the next layers done. And you can feel good about the process. We love control. But now let's compare it to the Axe Church. You literally are sitting there and you're like, am I even doing this right? You know what I mean? You're going to sit and be like, God, what am I doing? Like, am I doing, am I doing this wrong? And so if you're someone that really likes control, and I think this is a very American thing too, we love control, to follow God's kingdom is going to be really hard because he wants the control. He wants to guide you and give you a great life. But I think a lot of times we get in the way of God doing his things. You want what you want when you want it, so you don't let God do what he needs to do. That's each of us. You want to know? You want to know how, if you're good at control or not? Imagine yourself in situations where you don't have control. How do you react? And I learned this. Uh, it's kind of an interesting way. Um, it was on a flight. Uh, me and my sister were flying somewhere. And I remember, oh, she was in another aisle. And we got separated somehow. So I, I always used to love sitting on the window seat. So I was sitting on my window seat and, you know, getting excited for a takeoff like a kid. And <laughs> I remember, like, these two ladies came and sat next to me. And again, not to sound rude, but they were, uh, they were a little heavier set. And so they sat down next to me. And I remember just my mind started racing, like, whoa, like, I'm, like, kind of trapped in this area right now. <laughs> like, I can't go. I got thinking, like, if I needed to go use the restroom, I can't go if I want to. And then I started thinking, it's really sad. I'm sorry. This is how my mind went. And I started thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, if our plane starts going down, I won't be able to get out because they're going to be stopping. <laughs> okay, okay, great. That makes me feel better. And I think I had a sense of claustrophobia. Like, I felt a lack of control in the situation. So literally, no, this is how bad it got. The, the, I started seeing everything starting. I started to black out. Like the room started getting smaller and smaller because I was getting so scared. 
So I was like, excuse me, ma'am. I was like, I need to go to the restroom. This is before takeoff. <laughs> so I, I go to the restroom. I, was like, I started breathing. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is, that was the first time that it ever happened to me. So I go back and I had a plan. I was like, hey, I'm not feeling too good. Like, could y'all scoot over? I might need to go to the restroom here and there. So luckily they went in and I felt so much better. But it made me realize when control is taken from us, we don't always react well. We go into, there's a Malayalam word called vepralam, like chaotic. We are, I don't know what to do right now. There's no control right now. But what God wants is for us to let go of control. It wasn't anxiety. Yeah, anxiety is a good word. And I want to challenge you, if you really want to fully focus and be someone that sees God, you have to say, I'm letting go of control, God. You know, we sang the song, I surrender all. That's not like cheap words we say. Those, if you really think about, you're surrendering yourself to God to say, God, whatever you need of me, I will do. How do we remedy our desire for control? How do you remedy it? How do you remedy your desire for control? How do we let go of our desire for control? And here's the word that I feel, I think surrender is great. And I think another word that goes with that is obedience. Obedience is a word that means stop thinking. You don't have to think anymore. Whatever he's told you to do, just do it. Like they, if they started to think to themselves, okay, God said we're going to give a gift soon. And, oh, maybe we need to change things. Or maybe we need to go sit somewhere else. Or, you know, we overanalyze God. He just said sit and wait. So sit and wait. If you want to be someone that lets go of control, you have to say, God, I want to obey everything you've called me to do. And I believe this, as you begin to obey, you start to let go of control and say, God, whatever you need of my life, let it be. So I think the remedy for control is obedience. I'm going to end by saying this. And here is, I think, the conclusion of the matter. What's interesting is, if we look at the two stories, what was the result of the Tower of Babel? Can I ask you this? It stopped being built, and what else? So the Lord scattered them over the earth and they stopped building the city. So confusion came from it. Chaos came from it. I want you to recognize this. The more you go after what you want versus what God wants, it will only end for disaster for you. But now let's look at the contrast. What happens in Acts? Because they were obedient to God, because they followed him and just sat, what was the benefit of it? We look at the end of Acts and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the breaking of bread. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed. God did amazing things through them. There was genuine community. People came together. I want to encourage you, if you are ready to give up of yourself and say, God, I want what you want for me, it is the best for you. It is the best for your future. It's the best for your outcome. Yet you think, I know what's best, God. No, he knows what's best. I want to encourage you, you know, like in all of those ways, you feel like you have control. You feel like you're making progress, but at the end of the day, it's not. It's just an illusion. When you walk in your ways, it's just an illusion. When you think, okay, my bank account is a certain point and you feel good, it's just an illusion. 
one sickness and all of it could be gone. I'm telling you this. Anything that you can acquire here and do here is temporary and fleeting. But the life that you'll live for God has eternal meaning. And there's a really practical story to make you realize this. Um, this is a story that was in the news a while. So last year, there was a prominent lawyer in South Carolina. And he, his wife and his son were murdered. And there was a big case about it. They were like, what? He was one of the big lawyers of the city. Like, his name was Alex Mordo. I don't know if you've heard of this case. And this man, they were generationally wealthy. Everything you would want in this world, they were his, their four generations above, the great-great-grandfather established a litigation group in South Carolina. And they blew up. Like, they were so powerful. So for the next four generations, they became the litigators of the city. They were powerful, powerful. They had 1,700 acres of land. I have 0.3 acres of land. He had 1,700 acres of land. All of the wealth they had, they had properties on islands. They had everything. Any, like whatever, they were the most powerful people. But it started coming to light that the, the, the fourth guy, the fourth one, he had his own issues. He had money issues, and he was addicted to opioids. And to the point that he had lost so much money. And it, they found out he had put life insurance for his wife and his son, and he's the one who killed his wife and his son. It was crazy. It was crazy how far down people go when they go on their own path. I'm telling you, it may not be now, it may not be in the next few years, if you go after your own way, it is chaos. You think they have everything the world wants, yet why is there so much chaos? Because there's no fulfillment. There's no fulfillment. So my encouragement and challenge to you today is this. What is the benefit of seeking what you want versus what God wants? Illusion. You will feel in the momentary, in the temporary moment, I am in control and this is all good. But in the long term, let me tell you, there's nothing there. There's no fulfillment there. And our hope as a people is that as we continue this, this is not that life will be easy either. You know, you hear this and you're like, oh, okay, my life will be good if I seek after God. No, I think it will be hard, but it will be meaningful. It'll have long lasting impact. You know, I wanted to read the story of one of the guys from here, and this is one that I've read before, but his name was Andrew Trockme, and he was a descendant of the French Huguenots. Um, he was a guy in France, and so he was serving as a pastor in 1940 um, in a French village, and the German Nazis took over the government. They ordered French authorities to arrest all Jews. One evening, a frightened Jewish woman came to his house seeking refuge. Andre and his wife organized an underground network of volunteers to help other Jews. And so it's interesting, he had a choice to make. Do I choose what I want, which is maybe to turn them in, the easy path, or do I choose the path of God, which is to love my neighbor as I love myself? And he chose to love them as he loved himself, so he took them in. More and more refugees, many of them children, found the way to his place. And all of his village hid them in shops and farms and helped many escape to Switzerland. 
In 42, the police threatened to arrest anyone aiding the Jews, but he urged his congregation, don't give in to fear. We'll resist whenever our adversaries demand us obedience, comp contrary to the orders of the gospel. The police arrested him and his assistant pastor. You see that? Like, when you follow God, it will be difficult. If he had just given up the Jews, guess what? They would have no problem in his life. He can continue living. No one would bother him. But the second you give up your life for God, it will be challenging in its own way. And so they raided the school and they arrested the schoolmaster. But the three men refused to sign the loyalty oath to the pro-Nazi government. Amazingly, the men were released four weeks later. He continued after the four weeks helping the Jews. After World War II, reports reveal that he helped 5,000 Jewish refugees. I'm sorry, 5,000 refugees, more than half of them Jews. No one in the village ever turned a Jew over to the authorities. And it's such a beautiful story to say that as you give up yourself for God's way, there's something meaningful he needs from you. And a lot of times the meaningful thing he needs for you won't even be for you. It's going to be for somebody else. But think about the impact of that. For generations, people are going to be so thankful to this person. So I want to encourage you today. God wants you to give your heart's allegiance to seek him and to seek his kingdom. And whatever thing you may think you're gaining from seeking the world, the pleasures, the comfort, the control, it is just an illusion. And for your sake and for the sake of your generations, recognize to give your life to God is everything. So we're going to end with just a quick chorus. If Aaron and Justine, uh, Jessica, Justine, if y'all don't mind coming up, we're going to sing that song of I Surrender All. You know, we sang that just a second ago. And, and I think it's a beautiful chorus because as much as difficult as it is, all God needs for you is to say, God, I surrender myself. As much as I want to do what I want to do, God, I want to do what you need me to do. So just take a second and pray to God and say, God, I don't want to just hear these words and move on. Lord, I want to hear these words and hopefully see a change in me. That as much as I seek what I want, God, I want to seek what you want from my life. And, and again, I reiterate, it doesn't mean your life will be easy or challenge-free. It just means it will be meaningful. So I'm going to end with a quick word of prayer. God, we thank you today for hearing our prayers. Thank you for always speaking to us and using me, God, to share your words. God, I pray, Lord, this morning that uh, I pray, Lord, that you would um, continue to give us grace daily to do what you need of us, God. Lord, more than the selfish things that I desire, more than the things that I want for myself, God, help me to lay it down. And, and desire what you want from my life, God. God, I pray that the serving church like Ande Trakmi, God, would save 5,000 souls, God. That many would come to know you because we were willing to give up our lives for you. Not just 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, God. I pray a generation would be saved because we were obedient to you, God. Lord, I pray for every person here, God. Let us give up ourselves. And God, when we lack the grace to do it, let us look at Jesus who gave up himself for us. God, thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for us. Even though it was difficult for you, God, thank you that you died for us, for my sake. 
So, Lord, we give you glory and honor today, and we just say thank you. Let us walk in obedience to you this week, God. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Lord. We give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And before they sing, I just want to say, make commitments. You know, as, as easy it is, as it is to hear something, tell someone, okay, this week I want to give up my desire for this, and I will do this instead. Like, this is me giving you homework. Say it to someone, and the more you say it, I'm telling you, the more you have strength to do it. So say, I need to get rid of my whatever that you're doing so that I can serve more God in this. I appreciate you guys always listening, and let's sing the song together.